This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. Today, we're going to talk about this basketball team. Can they recover? We'll get into a little bit of baseball. Baseball is not my area of expertise, but it's just going to be me and you today. We're going to answer a lot of questions and talk about Razorback basketball, some things going on with football and recruiting as well. Um, let's play the intro. All right, everybody, before we get started, I want to remind you, of course, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Be sure to follow the page on Facebook Live if you haven't done so already, and throw us a thumbs up if you like the content. Also available on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell. Also interact with the video, throw us a thumbs up if you like it there too. Also available on Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review if you like the content. Available on Spotify, Stitcher, just about anywhere you can think of to find uh, your favorite podcast. Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off your first year. The dollar promo breaks down to, I think, like $0.03 a day. So sign up right now if you want to get the uh, best in Razorback football, recruiting, baseball, basketball coverage at Hogsports.com. All right, everybody. I want to thank everybody for joining me today. Like I said, it's just me and you today. Just me and you. We're going to have a few chats. No Danny West, no Pete Roulier, no Keith Grayson today. Um, just going to get into some of your questions. I feel like I kind of neglected that these last several weeks or so, so I want to answer some questions. Uh, before we jump into that, right now I've got Arkansas at 83 scholarship players, okay, and that includes the incoming recruits. So that leaves room for two more players to be placed on scholarship. You can't place a player on scholarship who hasn't been on campus two years heading into their third year as I understand the rule, okay? And just because, like, Chase Hayden has entered the transfer portal, that doesn't open up something. You've already signed 25 players or, or got 25 commitments because you got five grad transfers, I think 19 high school players, and one junior college player. So that's 25, and that's what Sam Pittman told us the max that they have. They don't have any to, to count back to last year's class unless they're missing something. And sometimes that gets lost a little bit with a transition and a coaching staff. So they're full right now. There's no – Ebony Jackson's not going to be able to sign and be on scholarship uh, if he were to um, find himself in a situation where they felt like he was going to make it on campus. Luke Jones isn't eligible to be put on scholarship yet, and he would count against a class of 25. So he can't be put on scholarship unless he's already on scholarship and we don't know it. Sam Loy – he isn't eligible to be, be, to be put on scholarship. As I understand it, I mean, he's going to be a senior, but he hasn't been at Arkansas for two years going on his third year. T.J. Hammonds was taken off scholarship. I'm not sure if he can go back on or not. But it leaves room for two more players, and I'm not sure who those two players would be from the walk-on candidates. I don't know if there's like a guy that's like ultimately deserving or, you know, a guy who's going to be a senior. And you're still going to have some attrition after spring drills. You're still going to have more. So that's where things stand right now. We just finished wrapping up the scholarship distribution report and got that all organized. I thought we had a bad system at 24-7 Sports. It turns out I was actually supposed to be updating <laughs> the scholarship. I was doing it like on a separate Excel sheet for people and stuff. But I think I've got that figured out now. 
So baseball, Arkansas beat Gonzaga seven to five in the in the first of the two games, and they play at two today with Connor Nolan starting. Connor had eleven strikeouts and one walk in six point two innings against Eastern Illinois in a five one win in the season opener. He'll be facing Mac Lorder, who went six and four last season for Gonzaga. Saturday, Arkansas faces Missouri in basketball in Bud Walton Arena. Arkansas has lost five in a row. It's been a tough, tough stretch. Possibly to get Isaiah Joe back. I'm guessing Pete Roulier and Mason Choate, who I want to welcome Mason Choate to the family at hogsforce.com, new videographer. He's going to be helping with uh, he'll be helping with uh, a lot of video, obviously, and, uh, and also be helping covering baseball and basketball and football, the three major sports. But I want to welcome Mason Choate to the, uh, to the team, who's out of Conway. Shout out to Conway, Arkansas. So Isaiah Joe hasn't played well really since Indiana. That was on – that was the, the end of December. And Texas A&M on the 20 – excuse me, on the 4th, on January 4th. So he had 24 points against Indiana and 17 against Texas A&M and really hasn't had like a great game since then and they say he hurt his knee in the Ole Miss game I believe that's right and then it took all the way to the I guess after the Mississippi State games when you started noticing some issues I think he set out TCU came back from Alabama and then they're like we're gonna have surgery on the knee okay and Arkansas has lost five games in a row since that TCU game that Joe set out when they won that one actually but they've lost five games in a row they've gone from so 67, there's 67 brackets on bracket matrix. They use, they take the average of 67 brackets throughout the country. Eight of them still have Arkansas in the dance, mostly as an 11 or 12 seed. But they're listed as the first four out on bracket matrix. You really need to be surging. I was having a conversation with a guy the other day at 24-7. But you really need to be surging right now, not like trying to hold on. You know what I mean? The teams that are just like holding on, you know, those teams aren't making the dance. you got to be surging at the end. So, Arkansas is 48 right now in the net rankings and Kim Palm. 48 on both of those. I believe they were, the net was updated on 220. So, they've got a lot to work to do. So, what needs to happen is Arkansas needs to win these next five games. It's it's crazy to think about that they're suddenly six, 16 and 10 and 4 and 9. And just 17 days ago, they were 16 and 5 and 4 and 4. Shoe in for the tournament. 16 and 5 and 4 and 4. Just 17 days ago. A month ago, they were 14 and 2 and 2 and 1. A month ago. Things have changed quickly. They've lost, what is it, 8 of 10 in their last five? That's tough. That's a tough resume to present to the NCAA to make a case to make the NCAA tournament. But they've got five games left in the regular season. Okay, they're currently an 11 seed. If the NCAA, or excuse me, the SEC tournament was to start tomorrow, they'd be an 11 seed, which means no first round bye. And that's a tough run, obviously, if you want to make it all the way to the championship game and have a chance to get in. So what needs to happen is Arkansas needs to win these next five games. They've got Missouri at noon Saturday. In Bud Walton Arena, that's on the SEC network. They can win this one, supposedly. And Musselman and Mason Choate are right now at the Musselman press conference, I believe. Might be coming up here in a second. Uh, but I doubt he's going to say anything 
whether Mason is or isn't going to play, but I think there's a good chance that he'll play. That's kind of been what people have been talking about, that he, he'll play in the game. How effective he'll be, who knows. Is he 100% back from the knee? I doubt it. I bet it still gives him issues. Can he play in the closing minutes? Who, who knows how they'll factor him in. But Arkansas can beat Missouri and Bud Walton Arena without him. They can beat him. They can beat him. And they get Tennessee after that. What is that, Tuesday? The Tennessee game. Wednesday, February 26th. So they get Tennessee Wednesday, February 26th. Again, another very winnable game in Bud Walton Arena. They can win both of those games, especially if they have Joe. Then they go to Georgia at Athens. Again, they can win that one on Saturday at 5 o'clock, February 29th. They can win that one. Here's the tough one, Wednesday, March 4th against LSU at home. They almost beat LSU on the road with Joe. They lost by two points earlier in the year. That's a tough one, but they can win that one. And then College Station, Texas A&M on the road. They can win that one. Each of these games individually they can win without LSU being the toughest. But they come out of that 4-1. and one. You're talking about 20 games. You're probably almost certainly going to be in the top 10 seeds in the SEC tournament, so you're going to get a first-round bye. But you can win a couple. Then maybe you're talking about – then maybe you're talking about something. But right now, as of today, it doesn't look good. But they can come back. They look they look like they're getting a little tired. They're out of answers. Um, you know, they're trying all kinds of different combinations in the starting lineup. Ethan Henderson did some good things. You don't need to have five fouls in ten and a half minutes. But, you know, I just – it's not over. But it doesn't feel good right now. I mean, it's been a long time. And I think Arkansas fans are pretty educated on the situation right now. I mean, they lack a lot of height. I mean, we've said this over and over again. They lack a lot of height. Mason Jones, without Joe, pretty much has to score 40 points. Really, you need 40 points between those two players to have a chance to win when Joe comes back. But that's just kind of how it's been. I mean, I think they're getting a little tired. They've been banged up. We know Mason Jones has had some shoulder issues. I mean, I wonder how much longer Mason can go with, with having to defend and drop 40 points for the, to give them a shot to win. You know he's got to be getting worn down a little bit. He could really use Isaiah Joe coming in about now. If Isaiah Joe is healthy, Musselman said he's never going to ask a player to come in or ask a player how they're doing. If they're ready to play, he lets the player tell him. And most competitors are wanting to get out there anyway, a guy like Isaiah Joe. So that's where things stand. SEC tournament is March 11th, Wednesday in Nashville. Hopefully Arkansas won't be playing on March 11th. Because if they're playing March 11th, it means they've continued to, to slide. Hopefully they'll be playing on the 12th. That's where things are. SEC Media Days, the schedule's already out. I feel like it's a little bit early for this. But usually it's going to be, you know, around the second and a half, you know, after the after two weekends usually is how it goes. Uh, and then they start things out on a Monday uh, in July, in the month of July. So 2020 SEC Football Media Day schedule, you get Florida and Dan Mullen, LSU and Ed Orgeron, Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz on the first day. That's an abbreviated day. It's a little bit shorter. Uh, not a, I mean, Ed Orgeron's going to be entertaining, but he doesn't say a whole lot. He's just entertaining the way he talks. Dan Mullen's going to show up in some flashy shoes. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, that would be the one intriguing person because he's a new coach. And then Tuesday, July 14th, Kirby Smart, Mark Stoops, Lane Kiffin, Derek Mason. 
Georgia, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. Not a very exciting day. Kirby doesn't say a lot. Stoops doesn't say a lot. Mason is going to do everything to get his brand out there. He'll do a, an interview with every single person on Radio Row, and no other coach will do that. The one mainly intriguing guy, I think, is Lane Kiffin. You know, that's the thing about this offseason with the, with the new coaching hires. You, you, you jazzed up SEC media days a little bit. So Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Is, I would say is the highlight on Tuesday as far as an entertainment standpoint. Obviously, Kirby Smart in Georgia. Wednesday, July 15th, Nick Saban, Alabama, Arkansas, Sam Pittman, Mississippi State, Mike Leach, and Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt. So that's going to be a hard day to win for Sam Pittman because Alabama obviously with Nick Saban. Although I'll say this, with it being in Atlanta this year, what I noticed is it wasn't as high traffic, and I felt like it's a smaller – Slightly smaller. It's divided up into two buildings. But I felt like it wasn't as active in Atlanta the year before last. And I think partially because Alabama isn't just flooding. You know, everybody from any local media source just flooding Hoover, Alabama uh, to talk to, you know, Nick Saban and and, and that kind of stuff. So I think uh, maybe it won't be quite as chaotic. But Alabama, Nick Saban's always going to draw a big crowd and draw a lot of media eyeballs. Mike Leach. That should be entertaining. Mike Leach, Mississippi State, and then of course Sam Pittman, and I'll be there July fifteenth. I don't, I don't, can't remember the last time I missed a media days, but it's been a while. So um, that'll be an entertaining day. And then Thursday you got Gus Malzahn, Will Muschamp, and Jimbo Fisher. I imagine I'm going to cut out Thursday morning. I would probably guess I'm going to skip the first day, get there Tuesday, Wednesday, and then cut out Thursday. That's how I would guess. I used to go for the whole time, but just judging from traffic, Arkansas fans like <laughs> like Arkansas coverage. So there'll be a lot of stuff coming out of Wednesday. Gus Malzahn, Will Muschamp, Jimbo Fisher. Not too intriguing from an entertainment standpoint. So that's SEC Media Days. Who are they going to bring? Who's going to go to SEC Media Days? I think Rakeem Boyd is a very strong shot to go defensively. Bumper pool, maybe, unless Sam Pittman has that policy where he doesn't want to bring anybody but seniors. But I think bumper pool makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then who else on offense? Probably he could bring an offensive lineman. A senior would be Ty Clary. Myron Cunningham's a senior, but they typically don't bring junior college guys who haven't had a you know haven't been in the system a whole long a lot. Felipe Franks is a possibility, but I'll say why not on Felipe Franks. I've never seen a situation where a coach has brought in a starting quarterback who hasn't started yet, and they end up having success. Ole Miss did it last year. Guy ended up getting replaced. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Since last time we talked, like literally just maybe a couple hours or so, Xavier Kelly committed to Arkansas. Uh, it might have been a little bit longer than that. I think he was like a late night commitment. So Xavier Kelly, 6'4", 305-pound defensive tackle that Arkansas desperately needs. It's a guy that was third team at Clemson, but at the same time, everybody ahead of him was basically a four-star recruit. So Arkansas doesn't have any four-star defensive tackles. No, they don't. McTelvin Aguim was a five-star. So – they they need some help on the defensive ta- at a defensive tackle spot and really when I, I look at it, I mean when you consider the graduate transfers that they got, are any of these guys going to be like superstars for Arkansas? Probably not. I mean Felipe Franks has a decent chance to be a good quarterback for Arkansas, like a notable improvement at quarterback, right? And by the way, Felipe is eligible for a six year based on the statement of the rule. Okay, and this would be him going into his fifth year. He would have to apply for it after the season, and, you know, then we'll see. what. I think that's right because when – who else applied? Kevin Richardson applied, and Kevin Richardson applied for it back when it was a new rule, so he had to wait for the litigation to go through. Uh, litigation, <laughs> whatever whatever you say. He had to wait for the new rule to, to go through and, and, and be finalized before he applies. But I think he waits till after his senior year, applies for the sixth year, and can get it. But nothing, obviously nothing's been done yet. But as I understand, he is eligible for that. And I believe Jerry Jacobs, I think Jerry Jacobs might be. He's got one to play one. So Jerry Jacobs has one year to play one year, unless he gets a sixth year. Also, Julius Coase from the junior college ranks has two years to play two. All right, so as far as the grad transfers go, you got Felipe Franks, immediate eligibility, obviously, and the odds-on favor to start for Arkansas. I think he has the best chance to be a really, really good player out of this group for Arkansas. A.J. Reed, needed kicker. They're replacing Connor Limper, the most accurate kicker in history of the school, which always baffles me when people are like, oh, we got to get somebody in here who can kick. And I'm just like, he's the most accurate guy they've ever had. Xavier Kelly, we just talked about him. Levi Draper who obviously can help, and and Jerry Jacobs, who we talked about a minute ago out of Arkansas State, who played for Ryan Rhodes at Hutchinson Community College. Danny mentioned something the other day that Xavier Kelly may be able to enroll before spring drills. Things are a little bit different with grad transfers and how classes work and stuff like that, so maybe there's something that can work out for him. But that's a good group of five. I mean, they did what they needed to do. They did what they needed to do. They needed to help at linebacker, defensive end, cornerback, quarterback obviously and kicker needed help at all those spots really the only spot that they weren't able to address was tight end and I wonder if they might work somebody else there Danny West and I were talking like maybe what if you what if you work Traylon Burke some at tight end not exclusively obviously but every once in a while you know and you need to add you need to add a good crop of of walk-ons at tight end just to get through practice also but they're definitely thin at that spot which is crazy because they we're used to seeing them have so many Barry Lunny Jr. goes and, and no tight end suddenly. I think we've pretty much covered most of the uh, quick hit type of stuff. Let's see what you got for questions. Price Wright says, basketball is on the way up. Our recruits coming in next year will be game-changing. The biggest question is whether Mason Jones is going to come back or not. And I think you have to ask that question also. 
not just Mason Jones, but is Isaiah Joe going to come back? I mean, I think with the injury, yeah. And with Mason, you don't see him on any draft boards. It's like if you if you didn't come into the season projected to be drafted, then you can't work your way in there. I mean, the guy's the leading scorer in the SEC. If Arkansas can finish strong, he's got a legitimate chance to be named SEC Player of the Year. But this way that they're finishing is probably not going to happen. But if you're able to get those two guys back, Moses Moody, K.K. Robinson, Jalen Williams, Devontae Davis, they probably will still go after a big man. Probably, you know, grad transfer or maybe look at junior. Who knows where they'll go. But they're getting some shooters in here. Moses Moses Moody, K.K. Robinson, another combo guard type in Devontae Davis. And then Jalen Williams at 6'9", 230, you can play down low. In addition to Connor Vanover, who's 7'3", who's not your traditional post, but can also really shoot the three-pointer. Um, J.D. Note, who not a lot of people have talked about, who also can shoot and score. Um, otherwise known as Bebe, who also be eligible. So they've got some help coming in. And probably are going to try to add another big. This is the number six ranked recruiting class in the country, not including the transfers that they're bringing in also. So things are looking up. I think Razorback fans can see that. Saturday's game is listed as a sellout. There's not going to be 19,200 seats, butts in the seats, I should say. But uh, 17-something, 18-something, I think that's definitely realistic. Probably a late-arriving crowd since it's a noon game. But I think Arkansas fans are wise enough to see that, hey, Things are heading in the right direction with basketball. Things are looking up. They don't have quite the manpower. And I hate to say that and slight these guys because they fight. There's one thing that you see about this team, they fight. I mean, you don't, you know, you're on the road at Florida and you're down, what, 19, and you battle back and almost retake the lead. I mean, that's fight. These guys will fight for them. And that's important. That's important. You know that they'll fight for their coach. Haven't seen that in football lately. I think that's going to change, too. Lynn Brown says, I think they've played as well as they could considering they lack some help. Absolutely, Lynn. Alex Ryle says, can someone tell me, is there any way I could get a message to Eric Musselman? I have a recruit to look at. He needs to see this kid. I would say you probably, if you go to the Arkansas Razorbacks website, ArkansasRazorbacks.com, if you go to coaching staff, you'll see phone numbers. And you might see an office that you can call. So I would say that's probably maybe a, a place to start is just calling the university. As long as you don't have, like, advice on what they should be doing. <laughs> that wasn't well received. Chase Hogan Jones says, we got to win the SEC tournament and not seeing it and need Joe healthy. I don't think this team is a team that can win the SEC tournament. I mean, the bench is too short. You play so many games day after day. They're not going to get a double bye. They may get a single bye. I think your best chance is winning these five games. If you win these five games closing out, then that gets you to 21 wins. You win a couple in the tournament or just one, you're talking 22, 23 wins. You know, and I think you have to factor in if they do that and they also have Isaiah Joe back. That has to count for something. That can't just go like, oh, well, tough luck. Sorry, guys. That has to count for something having Joe back. So if they can win these next five, which, again, individually they can, even if they go four and one, that's 20 wins. That's a decent finish. If they go four and one, they probably definitely would need to D two, and we're still talking about them being on the bubble after all that. 
they're not out of it. Now, lose Saturday, and then you start feeling pretty bad about it. I mean, you don't feel good about it right now anyway. But we tend to live in the moment. I mean, project this team, you know, down the road, winning five, heading into the SEC tournament. You feel different about it. Norman Hunt says a couple of wins and good SEC tournament run would really look good come dance time. Absolutely. Daniel Bradsaw Sr. says, again, anybody that thought this team with no bigs and a short roster was going to the big dance must be delusional. We have a great coach. We are really just turning up for – I don't know about that, Daniel. I mean, like, yeah, with losing Isaiah Joe, if they hadn't lost Isaiah Joe, if he hadn't hurt his knee way back when, what are we talking about right now? I mean, there are some games that they probably would have won. So I don't know if I'd say that's delusional. But not having Isaiah Joe, if you, if you said not having any bigs and, you know, being a shorter bench and you, and you, you told me that Isaiah Joe is going to get hurt, then I'd say, okay, anybody who says that's delusional. And they're not going to get to the tournament without Isaiah Joe coming back, you know, and really contributing in a big way because it can't just be Mason Jones scoring 40 points every night. Wanda House Moon says, yes, always do. Hogs forever. Norman Hunt says they do need some bigger frontline players. Absolutely. I mean, getting Jalen Williams is going to help. That's that's going to help. And then, you know, getting Connor Van over eligible too. But also, you know, and Danny was saying, you know, not like you're, it doesn't have to be like your traditional 6'10 guy, but a 6'8 guy. Greg Thompson says, any word on how Blaine Toll is looking being on campus early? Not yet. I mean, we haven't really gotten any reports on that kind of stuff on how uh, winter conditioning is going, but um, and we don't know what really kind of exposure we're going to get for camp. Now, the way camp is laid out, excuse me, spring drills is go, is laid out. They're going to start on March 16th, which is way later than Chad Morris used to start. Chad Morris would be starting probably next week if it were. He just liked to go early, and I understand the philosophy behind that. Like, if you get somebody injured in camp, then you got longer for them to recover. I keep saying camp. They call it spring drills, camp, whatever. But if you get somebody injured and you have an earlier spring, then obviously you get more time to, for them to recover versus a later one, which makes sense also in terms of, hey, let's spend a little bit more time in the weight room. Let's get stronger. Let's get to know each other a little bit better. And they're able to work with the players without a ball, you know, doing some stuff anyway. So, you know, that's advantageous, I think. Plus, I mean – from a recruiting standpoint, you can focus a lot on junior days and stuff too in the month of March. So the dead period ends on the 29th or after the 29th of this month. So don't know how Blaine is looking, but anyway, back to what I was saying, the schedule is going to work out where you have March 16th, you start practices. They'll go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then they'll send them off for spring break. And then they'll come back and they'll go every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, probably with scrimmages. Now by doing that, you know, you're able to get some work in. You go on spring break. Maybe you reset your mind a little bit. You get a little more comfortable with what's expected at practices. Maybe you're one of those guys who stays home and digs into the playbook a little bit more. Maybe you realize you need to stay home and dive into the playbook more. But you also get the acclimation period out of the way where you're wearing, you know, just shorts and helmet and stuff, and then you can come back. I think you'll be able to start in full pads maybe one day without full pads, and then you jump into full pads practice on the fifth practice. I think that's maybe how it works out. So – yeah, I think that'll, that'll be a good way to uh, to kick things off. And then the red-white game on April 25th, which I believe is the Saturday, which is, again, a lot later. I believe last year it was like April 7th 
or something. So a lot earlier. And by doing that, maybe you, you have a better chance at, at positive weather. You know, it's been cold sometimes. I know when it was in Little Rock two years ago, it was really cold. But maybe you have a better chance at positive weather, having a better crowd. Long way around your question, how's Blaine Toll looking? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see when, what, when we find out what kind of exposure we get to spring drills. I've said this before. You know, uh, Chad Morris and Brett Bielema both were more and more – like. Brett Bielema is viewed as like media friendly and stuff. And Chad Morris, I guess, was before he got to Arkansas. He was really closed down. But um, progressively, you know, I would say the access was more and more limited. And that's just kind of how it's going through college football. But Bobby Petrino used to open up every spring practice in full, the whole thing. Bielema was a little bit more limited. And then Chad Morris was more limited than that. Patrick Germany says... What do you think we will look like as far as improvement-wise from last year? As far as the football team, I mean, the schedule's pretty brutal. Let's look at the schedule real quick. It's a beautiful schedule if you got the right team to play it. That's not it. Where's 20? That's not a good place. We know that they open up with Nevada, and then they get Notre Dame on the road. All right, here it is. Nevada at Notre Dame and then at Mississippi State versus Texas A&M, the Charleston Southern, Alabama and Fayetteville, LSU and Fayetteville, back-to-back weekends. And then you get a bye that you're going to need. Tennessee in Fayetteville, at Auburn, Ole Miss, ULM, at Missouri, and that's it, at Missouri and Arrowhead. It's a beautiful schedule. You get to go to Arrowhead. You get to go to AT&T Stadium. You get to go to Notre Dame. You get Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee and Fayetteville. It's fantastic. Fantastic schedule. It's a brutal one. You'd like to have a know you have a better team. But, again, I've said this before. They have a better roster than a two-win team. There is no excuse for them to be a complete disaster like they were last year and the year before. I mean, really, they started off, I mean, just based on they almost beat Texas A&M last year. They played Ole Miss well, and then the wheels came off. I mean, they just completely let go of the rope. This roster does not justify winning two games. It's a let-go-of-the-rope team last year. They didn't play for their coach. They didn't play for the defensive coordinator. They quit on them. They did. They just quit on them. And some of the stuff, you, you know, you hear from behind the scenes is just like, you know, the kind of the way Chad Morris would treat the media, you know, just like, just not, I mean, it's like almost a game. Like, how can I give out as little information as possible and not answer your question at all? Anyway, I think they'll fight for Sam Pittman. I think that's what we're seeing early. We're hearing that from people, you know, just how much they like him, how much they like being around him. You know, I kind of get the vibe from the staff a little bit. You kind of get the feeling that maybe the offensive staff in general was a little bit too young. Maybe the defensive staff all total was a little bit too old. You kind of got a nice mix. You know, you've got the uh, you got some young guys and some some older guys, but you know, you got a lot of guys in that forty year old ish range. You know, late thirties to mid forties type of type of range. Not that, you know, other coaches in their 50s or whatever, you know, 60s can't coach, obviously, but it's just a different mix of coaches. 
a coaching staff that I can see getting along really well, both offense and defense, and I thought that was a problem last year too. Mark C-Z-M-Y-R-I-D, Viva Woo. Woo Pig Suey Razorbacks, I believe. Hogs win the SEC tournament. I'll have some of what you're having, Mark. It's a tough road for a team with, you know, such a short bench. Marco Banyan says, I don't see them recovering till next season. You mean the basketball team? Yeah. We'll have to see what Isaiah Joe looks like. We'll see what Joe does. Charlie Garrett says, we're headed in the right direction. I'm okay with whatever we go this year. I can, uh, I can appreciate that, Charlie. I mean, obviously you want to win games, and it's it's tough, especially the way the one they lost the last one. They've lost, I mean, they've lost five, but really, well, not the last one, but um, they've lost five. But this is how they've gone. So they were they were beaten at Florida, seventy three sixty eight. I mean, Florida let them get close and then pulled away. They got some tough calls here and there, but you know you're not going to get the calls on the road. The way they lost Mississippi State at home was really tough. I mean, that was that was tough. A buzzer beater from a guy that hadn't scored. Really, though, I mean, they lost the Mississippi State – or, excuse me, they lost the Florida game. Okay, they lost it. They lost the Tennessee game convincingly, which is what is going to happen if you only get nine points out of Mason Jones. You're going to get you're going to get your doors blown off. They lost to Missouri in overtime. They lost to Auburn in overtime. They won at Alabama. They lost by two to South Carolina – in Fayetteville, beat TCU, lost convincingly by seven at Mississippi State. I mean, so it's not like they're just getting slammed, you know. They're still fighting. They still show fighting that Florida game, even though I, I just thought they were clearly outmanned in that one. And they still, you know, they didn't lose by that much, lost by five. They can beat Missouri. I'm almost inclined to say they will. Marquise Martin says, what bigs do we have coming in next year? Jalen Williams out of Fort Smith Northside, 6'9", 230, four-star prospect. And then, of course, Connor Van over 7'3", non-traditional type of big who can step out and shoot it. Probably not a guy that's going to play with his back to the basket. But I'll say what I noticed out of Connor Van over and watching practices before the season started was that guy would really fill it up at times. I mean, suddenly, you know, he'd knock down a three. He'd knock down a short jumper. I mean – the guy can score. He really finished strong his last, what, 10 games or so at Cal. Really finished strong. But he can shoot the ball. It's going to be a tough guy to defend. If you can add, if you can bring in Isaiah Joe and the other guys they're bringing in, you know, talking like Moses Moody, who's a really strong shooter too. I mean, you could see a huge jump in improvement with his basketball team. And I don't mean just like overall because obviously they came into SEC play very strong. What are they, 12-1 and one or something coming into SEC play? But in SEC play when they actually get into it. Don Smith says basketball game was hard played. Yep, I think they fought hard. Just didn't have the manpower. Kenny Harris says with the lack of size, I thought the NIT would be the best we could get this year. I think the way they started out, it got everyone's hopes up. Yep, we have to rely on the three-point shot too much. Yeah, I mean, they haven't, and they haven't been a good three-point shooting team. They're not a good three-point shoot, uh, shooting team. Isaiah Joe is shooting like 34% from three-point range. That's barely good enough to be even doing it, but he, he knocks down a lot of long ones and actually shoots at a higher clip from way out. But really, you know, 
shooting 33% from three-point range is probably the equivalent, I guess it is the equivalent of shooting 50% from the floor inside the three-point line, which I guess most players should be doing at least 50% from inside the three-point line. So you're barely shooting. I mean, it's barely worth taking the shot if you consider it like that. I want to see them start attacking the hoop from the start of the game. Yeah, I mean, they. I thought they did a better job getting to the to the rack against uh, Florida, but like it's like Desi Seals. I mean, almost gets killed inside. There was one play early on in the game where, I mean, the dude clearly was jumping into him, knocked him to the ground, and they couldn't get a call. It's like. Hey, Desi, you're six foot. You don't belong down here. You're not getting these calls. But Desi will sacrifice his body to go in there. But I felt like they did a pretty good job taking it to the rack. I thought they played physical. I don't. I mean, only shot 16 threes. I think that's fine. It's not too many three-pointers to shoot for a team that's not good at shooting threes. They've also got to knock down on free throws. I mean, they were, they were and before SEC play, they were very strong – at shooting free throws. They were like 72% or something, which, you know, puts you – I would say that puts you at the middle of the pack. But, I mean, there's been too many games where they've been like 60 62%, something like that. I think that's what they were against Florida. Got to be better at shooting three, uh, free throws. Mike Posey says, I think it's this coaching staff will show great improvement. They'll get it back where they should be. I'm really anxious, I'm really anxious to see what a new coaching staff does with this talent because, as I've said before, they did a good job overall recruiting this last staff. They really did. You can't take that away from them. You can take a lot, but you can't take that away. Um, they had some things, obviously, to address. Improvement on the offensive line. They need to get better players there. And they they got off to a good start with Jalen St. John, Ray Curry, and uh, Marcus Henderson. Norman Hunt says, Spart- hard to speculate till you see them on the field. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to speculate. It's just hard to get it right, right, Norman? <laughs> Jeremy Dick says, what happens hypothetically if we go to Notre Dame and win? People will lose their minds. I mean, that would be – I mean, I might cry, actually, to be honest with you, just because you – know, I was talking with David Basil the other day, and David said he'd been to 80 straight Arkansas football games. And most of it, you know, just during these, you know, 80 straight, you're, so you're talking like within the last seven years or so. So it's been a rough stretch. I mean, I, I hate going to SEC road games. I mean, just because, you know, even – I guess I went to the Kentucky game and I'm thinking, okay, they got a shot here. And they did. They probably should have won. But that's really when things really started nosediving. I mean, you can say the San Jose State game, but really the Kentucky game. But it's tough to go just, you know, you travel, they, you know, you get their butts kicked and then, you know, you come home and everybody's negative and stuff. It's just time to get this thing turned around. Everything's cyclical. You can get it turned around. It wasn't that long ago. I don't want to mean to compare them to Baylor because the circumstances are different. But it wasn't, but what, three years ago, Baylor was 1-11. in Rich Stagg says, saw where one of our All-American sprinters says he may play for the football team. Any info? I think I caught wind of that, but I don't have any info on it. Sorry, Rich. I'll, I'll look into it, though. Zachary Smith says, which basketball recruits will redshirt next year? I hope none of them. You don't usually basket, – basketball you don't usually redshirt unless you're, like, super developmental, and none of these guys are. I mean, they're part of a number six-ranked recruiting class in the country. Um, so the only time you're going to redshirt is if you're a transfer and you have to sit out or, you know, if you're really developmental. So, 
Matt Bounce says there were a total of 40 fouls called in the Florida game. I was there, and even the Gator fans were ticked off at all the bad calls. Even Florida had some bad calls against them, yeah. I mean, the flop was – I mean, it was a flop. He got pushed, but it was a flop. It was a flop. and probably should have been called that. Uh, against them that were complete ghost calls, it was an absolute – whoa, Matt, you can't be saying that kind of stuff. This is a family show. <laughs> uh, anyway – yeah, I mean, 45 is a lot, but it was nothing like the South Carolina game in Fayetteville a few weeks ago where it was, what was there, 57 fouls, 70 free throws. That's that's just ridiculous. 40 fouls in the second half. There were 40 fouls in the second half of that game. And there were 40 fouls in Florida. So, David Elm says, talk about the commits in basketball for next year. I think we went over that a little bit, but let's see. Let's look at it real quick. Basketball recruiting commitments. All right, so you've got Moses Moody out of Montverde Academy, originally from North Little Rock. Is it North Little Rock? Little Rock. So Arkansas, Michigan, Ohio State, those were the teams that got the visit. 6'5", 185-pounder, really strong three-point shooter, decent athleticism. This is the evaluation on him. I assume this is from Jerry Meyer, who's uh, our – Director of Basketball Scouting at 24-7 Sports. Does a great job. Has length with an enormous wingspan for a wing. Smooth athlete, but not an overly explosive athlete. High-quality shooting is his greatest strength. Very good shooter off the catch. Dribble game and playmaking are improving. Has the size and anticipation to be a good defender. Solid rebounder. Length and shooting ability will bode well for his future. Projects as a first-round draft pick. So they project him as a first-round draft pick. They compare him to Alan Crabb. Am I saying that right? Alan Crabb. So, anyway, pretty good praise for Moses Moody. K.K. Robinson. And Moses Moody is the number 45-ranked overall prospect in the country. Okay. K.K. Robinson, 6'5", 175-pounder from Oak Hill Academy via Bryant, Arkansas. Number 71 ranked overall prospect in the country. Number 12 point guard. Arkansas, Illinois, Kansas, and TCU were his official visits. Scouting report. Only six foot as a combo guard, but has great physique and a good wingspan. Nice speed and quickness and strong two foot leaper. Has a quality lefty three point shot. Looks to get to the rim off the dribble. Mid range game needs work. More shooter than distributor at this point. Rebounds well for his size. Has room to improve impact his impact defensively. So they compare him to Derek Walton with the Los Angeles Clippers. He is projected as a power five starter. So that's KK Robinson. Jalen Williams, 6'9, 230, number 72 ranked overall prospect in the country out of Fort Smith, Northside. His visits were Arkansas, Auburn, and Oklahoma State. Power 5 projected starter compares to Brandon Ashley of the Dallas Mavericks. Good frame and adequate length for a post player. Does have potential as an inside outside scoring threat. Is a determined rebounder. Tough on the offensive and defensive boards, runs the floor well for and is active as a rebounder. Good in ball screen scenarios on both ends of the court, still very much developing as an offensive player. So that's Jalen Williams. And Devontae Davis, 6'4", 175, number 100 ranked overall prospect in the country. All of these players are four-star recruits. 
Devontae is number 18th ranked point guard in the country from Jacksonville. All right, so they they compare him to Daquan Cook at Prairie View A&M. He's a power five starter is his projection. Has good length and strength for a point guard. Not an explosive athlete, but has a herky-jerky left-handed style. So he's a second left-handed player in this class. Scores off the dribble, not a good three-point shooter. Crafty with the dribble, but will turn the ball over at a suboptimal rate. Does play with energy. So a high-energy guy needs to work on his shot a little bit. Point guard. Could play another spot, 6'4", 175. So that's Arkansas's basketball incoming players out of the high school ranks. They could still add another big. They've got a couple of players that are going to be, a few players, I should say, that are going to be eligible next year who had to sit down. Matt Bounce says Ethan Henderson will be a solid player with a little more experience and confidence. He showed some serious flashes against Florida and played really hard. Yes, can't have five fouls in 11 minutes. Jeremy Dick says, do you think that the offensive line will be greatly improved under Sam this year? I think he makes a world of difference. I think so. I mean, I think he'll make a lot of improvement with the offensive line. They're going to be bigger, first of all. They were way undersized. I mean, think about last year. You had, you know, I guess this is kind of how they finished out. You had Myron Cunningham, who went about 276 at left tackle. Uh, Austin Capps at 305 at left guard. Ty Clary at 285 at center. Ricky Stromberg at 276 at right guard, and right tackle was uh, Dalton Wagner at 305. But Wagner is 6'9", so it's not like he's carrying a whole lot of weight for a 6'9 guy. So uh, it's it's that's probably about as light as you're going to see an offensive line in the SEC. So they're going to get bigger. They're going to focus on that in the offseason. They're definitely bringing in some bigger players. We'll see if some of these freshmen contribute, but um, – I think all those guys are going to get bigger. I think Ricky Stromberg is going to be greatly improved. Noah Gatlin losing him, who I think potentially is the best offensive lineman potential-wise that they have, and losing him in the first practice last year to an ACL tear really hurt. So you get him back. Myron Cunningham having another year under his belt. I mean, there's some positive things when you think about it like that. They should be better on the offensive line. And if they're better on the offensive line, I wonder what kind of year Raheem Boyd can have. And especially if they get better play at quarterback. They get better play at quarterback and a guy that can also move. He ran for 350 yards as a, a junior in 2018, Felipe Franks. Um, so you got a, a little bit of a threat for the run with him. Big, strong-arm guy who's got experience in the SEC. Better offensive line. Rakeem Boyd back. You'd think that he gets better. Traylon Smith, a lot of good positive things have been said about Traylon Smith, who redshirted last year after transferring from Arizona State. Guys like Mike Woods, Trey Knox, Traylon Burks, all being a year older. You might take a step back at, at tight end, but who knows how good Hudson Henry will be. I mean, if he's as good as his brother was as a sophomore and Hudson will be a redshirt freshman, then that's pretty good. But they are a little thin there. They should be better on offense. Tough schedule, though. Tough schedule, as always, in the SEC and then adding Notre Dame on top of that. Plenty of ways to watch and listen, everybody. Facebook Live, if you haven't thrown us a thumbs up, then do so now. Throw us that thumbs up if you like the show. And follow the page if you like. I mean, we put all of our free content on Facebook. So if you want to see our free content, if you want to be notified when the show pops up, then follow the page right now. Just take a moment and subscribe on the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Subscribe, hit the notifications bell. Most of our viewers aren't even subscribed to the page. So if you want to be notified every time we upload a new video on YouTube, 
then subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell. Throw us a thumbs up also if you like the content that we produce. We'd love to have that from you. On Apple Podcasts right now, we're a five-star rated show. We'd like to continue that. Well, I think we're the second most. The Hog Pod actually has a few more votes than we do. So uh, we want to be number one on that. We like the Hog Pod too. They do a different kind of show than we do. Uh, but throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Say something nice about it if you like the content. If you don't like it, then don't worry about it. Don't, you don't have to do anything. Certainly don't want you to throw us a low rating. Uh, also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or uh, uh, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can think of to get podcasts, we're there. So be sure to listen to the show uh, when you're driving and watch the show when you're not. Um, Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month. $1 for your first month. Breaks down to $0.03 cents a day over the promo period. And if you like it, you can stick around. You can pay full price, but you get CBS All Access for free. CBS All Access for free. Uh, after the promo period has ended. And that's a $99 annual value for a subscription that's basically, I think the subscription is $107. So you get hogsports.com and CBS All Access, which I bet you're going to enjoy come tournament time. I bet you enjoy CBS All Access during tournament time. It's free with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com, if you're, a full, if you're paying full price. All right, everybody, I think I've said everything I can say. I want to thank you all for joining me. It was a one-man show today with you and your questions. I'm glad we were able to get to a lot of questions because, like I said, we just haven't been able to do that in the last few shows because we've talked about other things, had more guests on. So wanted to do a show kind of like this. Baseball starting up here shortly, so I'm sure you guys want to jump into that. All right, everybody, thanks for your questions. Sign up at hogsports.com and go ahead and follow the page and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Throw us a thumbs up. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.